Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. I'm pleased to share a panel discussion from the 2019 Mobile and Clinical Trials Conference on what a successful digital trial should look like. The panel was moderated by Craig Lipset, formerly of Pfizer, with Digital Medicine Society's Jennifer Goldsack and Novartis's Dr. Jacob Laporte. For details on the upcoming 2020 conference, visit theconferenceforum.org. Enjoy the podcast. So I thought I'd uh, start off the panel with a little musical number. <laughs> You'll be relieved to know that's not happening. But let me, um, let me bring up our two uh, panelists, uh, Jake and Jennifer. You're out there somewhere? I see Jake and Jennifer. Great. So um, as they come up, I'll say a little bit about them. Um, Jennifer, it's good to see you walking. <laughs> Let's give it up. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so Jennifer Goldsack, Executive Director for the Digital Medicine Society, and Jake Laporte uh, with uh, the Novartis Biome and Novartis, and very well known for your work with digital and development at Novartis. Um, I should just start off by asking the room, have folks here, are you familiar with DIME, Digital Medicine Society? There are a few hands I've seen go up. Any? Oh, that's great. What do you think? Is that a good... Is that okay? That's okay, but we'll okay. have everyone's hands by the end. You will, you will. Um, so this panel, we're gonna talk about uh, what a digital trial looks like, but just for introductions, um, I'll start actually with Jake. Jake, can you share for the group a little bit about who you are, what you work on at Novartis? Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, so Jake Laporte, as, uh, as, as it says. Um, so I work at, I'm now a global head of the Novartis Biome. So what we do in a nutshell is we work to help teams within Novartis that are looking to create digital solutions across the enterprise partner with best-in-class um, external partners to help them uh, develop their digital solution to scale. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about this. It's, it's difficult for pharma to, I think, partner effectively with external companies. And so we're kind of primarily set up to help do that. And so the intent there is not just pilots and getting exposure to the new, but to work with them around driving adoption in a meaningful way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's really to set up that, that healthy innovation ecosystem that's relatively lacking um, in, in pharma to really get things going and create test and learn and get to a point where you can make an informed decision to, to get the scale. Excellent. Now, some of you may recognize Jennifer as the face and the voice from City, the Clinical Trials Transformation Initiative, and driving their, their mobile clinical project. Now, you've just doubled down and gone all in in this space. What have you been up to, Jennifer? Tell us about uh, your work with the Digital Medicine Society and what else you're working on right now. Um, of course. So you're exactly right. I was lucky enough to cut my teeth um, in the world of digital as it pertains to trials specifically um, at the Clinical Trials Transformation Initiative. Um, and then since then, with a very uh, committed and passionate group of co-founders that's joined, that's, that's grown to a, a thriving membership, um, we established the Digital Medicine Society. So we launched in May of this year, and our goal is to advance the use of uh, digital technologies um, to improve health. So we do look across um, the healthcare delivery side, population health management, sort of sponsored clinical trials and, and traditional research. I think there's a lot of learning that can be done. Um, and the reason I think a new society was needed, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what folks think about this, is you know we identified um, the thoughtful use of digital 
digital tools as probably being the most interdisciplinary field we could think of. Um, and we looked around and we couldn't find a place where our um, security researchers, our white hat hackers, would sit down at the table with regulators, with payers, with um, sort of traditional researchers, healthcare delivery folks, um, community leaders. And that's what we sort of strive to provide to really you know, be that clearinghouse of, of new knowledge and information. So to get us out of the thoughtless implementation of digital tools in our trials? I didn't that? say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so anybody can join DIME? Yes. Uh, and, and is it your organizations that join, or do individuals uh, in the room join? Do the um, that's a great question. So it's, it's at the individual level. Um, and really, our goal is you know, to support the experts, like everyone in this room, actually trying to advance the field. And I think that there's a lot of sort of cross-disciplinary learning that has to happen. Tech folks who are brilliant software engineers, you know, really understanding what it means to handle patient data, what informed consent means, right? That learning. And then on the clinical side, like how, how are these um, tools, how is the math done? How is the tech developed? You know, how can we better evaluate that? So it really is empowering the individuals to drive the field forward for the patients we all serve. Okay, so that's the end of my soft plug for everybody in the room. Thank you, Craig. Join up with Dime. <laughs> it's an easy, th easy group to join, and you get a lot of value out of it. The, the community that, it's, it's really like the, this community uh, in a sustaining way in many ways. It's the, that's exactly it's the, folks the in this room and others just throughout the year. So uh, that's fabulous. Um, <clears throat> you know, earlier this year, I, I did a talk um, at the, at the NIH, and the topic was, what's a digital trial? And I didn't choose that topic. Someone else chose it for me. And, and I went out on Twitter and LinkedIn, and I kind of just asked others, what's a digital trial mean to you? Um, so I'm curious, you know, as we look at the title here around what does a successful digital trial look like, Jake, what, what is a digital trial? Do we have to define this, or is it in the eye of the beholder? What, what do you think of when you see a title like this? successful digital trial? Well, I would say um, it, the way I would answer that question, um, and I'll get into a little bit about how I define a digital trial. The way I'd answer that question is what a successful digital trial looks like is when you remove the word digital and it's just like what is a successful trial, right? I mean, because I think at the end of the day, digital needs to be in service of a broader strategy or broader operating kind of focus. It shouldn't be obviously just to do digital. And so my, my opinion, I mean, you know, I, this is my gut reaction is that I, I don't really see the value in defining digital at this high of a level. However, that being said, I really do think that there are archetypes of digital trials that we, I think it would benefit uh, this community to define uh, a shared view of what that means. Because what I'm seeing a lot of as I travel around is still a lot of fragmented exper uh, uh, experiments. I mean, Dan referenced this, I think, more in a positive note. I'm going to reference it more in a negative note. I still think there's a lot of disconnected effort out there. And, you know, I think we would all benefit from something that was akin to, like, a moonshot program where you were coordinating massive amounts of effort and resource for a common shared vision. And I think there's a little bit of a lack of an overall vision for where we need to go as an industry in this space. And um, that's why I do believe that there would be a benefit to kind of defining archetypes of digital trials. Interesting. So I want to come back to the, uh, the moonshot concept. But Jen, what are, you, what are your thoughts? As you, as you look at this through the lens of your experience with city and the society, um, do we need definitions in this space? I mean, at times it feels to me like, how many of your clinical trials don't involve digital? 
And if we're calling it a digital trial, does that by default mean it has to be end-to-end -end fully digitized? Um, does incremental count? Um, so incremental counts. Um, I really appreciate, Jake, that you started with, you know, we should be able to put our hand over digital in this question, and the answer should be the same, right? The metrics don't change, at least the, the, the overall sort of goals and an evaluation of what a successful trial looks like. Um, I, I'm not sure it's the best analogy, but what I would always say is, you know, I think at some point, digital trial is going to be a bit like computers and business, right? They've sort of permeated absolutely everything we do from like absolute start to finish. Um, so, you know, in thinking about does it matter what digital trial means, I think at the very high level, probably not. But I really liked what you were saying, Jake, that there are particular... Um, there are particular ways in which we can use digital tools, and being very specific about what we mean in those instances is probably going to be very useful. Um, one of the things um, as a society, but I think as a field, we've realized is that language is important and words matter. And I think we need to have a shared language in order to have a sensible sort of cross-disciplinary conversation. Um, and my favorite one is, you know, let's say validate it to someone, right? It's like a bad joke. You say it to a, a data scientist, a regulator, a clinician, and a statistician, and it means something completely different. It's like that elephant picture, right? Of everybody looking yeah, at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Right? And so um, I, think, I think it's really important um, that we do a number of things. One, that we are thoughtful about language, although digital trial, I'm not sure, is, is, is where we need to start. Um, but also, um, as, as Jake sort of hinted at, that you know, it's not digital for the sake of digital. Um, it's really being thoughtful about how these tools can solve specific problems, and, and perhaps some of those that have been um, persistent for a long time. Um, and so to that end, to finally answer your question, yes, I think incremental counts if we're, if we're solving the most pressing problems first. No, it's a great perspective on it because, you know, in some ways, so uh, some people may have heard me share this. I've, I've, I've followed now uh, two or three different pharma companies that have gone through this, uh, these internal digital initiatives, and I won't name the consulting company that shows up and guides them through this, but, um, you know, it comes in at the executive suite and it says, let's line up and list all the digital investments and digital initiatives you have going on in your company. And if you try to pull out of a development organization anything that has the word digital, you're thrusting them into the 1960s, right? You guys have been using digital tools in your clinical trials for quite a while. And the idea of pulling anything that's digital out is quite honestly absurd. It'll throw you back onto, onto paper. So digital has to mean something, something more. But Jake, when you work within teams in your organization, how do you isolate the challenges to go after? How do you find the problems that digital can really solve versus people waking up in the morning and seeing something in the news that says, oh, Fitbit, and then they show up and say, Jake, I want to stuff Fitbits into my study. How do you work with teams to figure out the problem first and then back into the digital? Well, I, I, I think you, you actually made, made a key statement in that question is, how do you define the problem first before you find the solution? Because uh, honestly, when I first started the biome, um, you know, I never expected to get into this, but we've actually started to have to, to actually host problem identification workshops with our teams, right? Because oftentimes when we talk to teams, we notice that what they were really articulating was 
what they thought was the problem, but it was really a solution. Like I want to, I want to use virtual reality, you know, to solve a patient. And you're like, well, do you really understand why you want to do that? And so we, so I, I would say the ideal answer to your question is that we kind of go through a process to identify problems, ideally using, you know, kind of design thinking concepts to actually um, understand what, you know, patients, healthcare providers, all the stakeholders in trials are going through. And then from that really work back to say, what are the key pain points and how can digital uh, solve them? I'm not sure how systematic that's really done. It's certainly not at Novartis, but I think that's something that we need to get to because ultimately at some point in time, Craig, and you know this, you know, management's going to come back and ask you, what's the value? What's the ROI on that? And if you don't have a good answer and you haven't done that work to understand what is the problem you're trying to solve and how do you actually measure the impact of that, you know, at some point, you know, it's just going to, it, you're going to get stopped, right? You know? Well, if you have a portfolio of, uh, of 30 pilots that are all one-offs solving the problems of individual teams, then when management comes back around, you probably don't have any ROI or any kind to show right. them right. because all of your pilots probably cost more yep. than if they did it the old way. Right, right. Um, so, so Jennifer, when, when you hear that, does that feel directionally correct to you, what Jake was just describing? Yeah, or, absolutely does. Yeah, in terms of thinking about that from a problem perspective. But do you, do you fear, so, and I think Jake kind of queued this up earlier, thinking about moonshots, do we run the risk of having um, a thousand disconnected flowers blooming? Is that, is that okay if we wind up in a future state with... Um, just a lot of incremental digital things that we're each trying to solve one problem, or do we have to take a more holistic view? Should we be, you know, starting from a blank piece of paper and saying, our goal is to generate evidence, and this is an investigational medicine, and what is the digital end-to-end approach that would make this radically different in terms of how we generate evidence and say, everything in between that we've been doing, we're not wedded to. We just want evidence, and that's the goal. This was like kind of a, a little bit of a heated discussion that we had <laughs> preparing for the panel. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's, it's a little bit of a philosophical answer uh, in my mind. I mean, I think uh, um, over time, it won't be good enough to have a thousand disconnected pilots. Um, in other words, I think there's underlying uh, e- economic forces uh, in, in the pharmaceutical industry that will ultimately force us to converge on a new development paradigm that's that's much more I, I think you know um, mu- you know much better much more efficient uh, lower cost I think the question is are, are the people in this room going to, to 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 get there collectively together or or or, or is it or are the people in this room going to be disrupted are the current players? in the industry going to be disrupted and and is the industry going to be fundamentally reshaped by these economic forces. So I would argue right now, the way I see things, everything is disconnected. I don't think we're on a pathway to collectively get to a a new development paradigm together. I, I would say there are forces at play that would help us collaborate a little bit more. But I think ultimately, Craig, in my mind, um, we're going to have to get to a new development paradigm to make you know the current industry structure sustainable. So I don't think a thousand 
incremental things is 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 good enough. I think it's an important step because for every big transformation, you ultimately have to take small steps to get there. I don't think we're looking at a major gigantic theory of relativity shift in, you know, kind of how we do this. So I think it's important, but I think we need to coordinate our efforts a little bit better and share things a little bit more, right? Um, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, I'd offer up a few things to sort of build on, on what you said. I think, first of all, the most important piece is identifying, you know, that problem we need to solve for. And I think the example of, well, we want to use VR in this trial is perfect. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, uh, from when I worked more on the healthcare delivery side, there was, you know, all sorts of process improvement approaches that were very on vogue for a while. You know, but, you know, even with that, there's simple tools, you know, sort of your five whys, but why, but why, but why, to get to your sort of root cause. But I think um, as much as thinking about what the problem is we're trying to solve for, it's that question of what does good look like, right? So, um, you know, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere will get you there. And I think that it's part of what does successful mean. And I think one of the ways we could um, improve the way we think about this is that it's a digital solution that not only addresses the specific problem you're trying to solve for, but that it doesn't do so in isolation, that it actually fits in to a broader overarching digital strategy that supports the whole sort of trial life cycle. And I think that that could be an approach, um, and I'm optimistic, that could do exactly what you said, which is, you know, those small efforts where we learn things and we improve and we iterate, but they're all looking towards an overarching strategy. And I think we only need to think about something like, you know, electronic health records being top down. And, you know, 10 years later, blood, sweat and tears were kind of finally there. You know, we don't want to do top down, but how can we do these individual, you know, solution oriented efforts that actually talk to each other across the whole trial life cycle? Okay, so analog polling time. Um, so I'm assuming everybody in this room is working on some sort of digital initiative in your organization uh, in some way or aspiring to. Do you feel that the initiatives that you're working on align to some higher strategy inside of your company? Or do you feel those initiatives are just kind of floating on their own as just sort of a point solution? So let's, let's break that out. Um, raise your hand if, uh, if you feel your work is aligning to some higher level digital strategy in your company or organization. Fair. And how many folks feel like their work is, is, is incremental? It's solving one particular point problem, but it doesn't feel connected to something much bigger or broader. That's not bad, actually. But, I'm kind of but, but let's surprised. take it a ne next step further. How many people working on a digital solution that feels like it aligns to the strategy of Kaiser Permanente or HCP? Okay, we've got one, two, maybe three. But this is my point. In order for us to do digital trials at scale, right, this is going to require a system-wide change. We can't, it, it can't just be, be <laughs> you're doing a solution that aligns to Novartis' strategy, like, that's not going to be good enough. I mean, you know, so. So let's uh, open up and we'll start up over here with Amir Kalali. Amir? Hey, thanks, Greg. I'm going to do what Michelle asked us to do, which is not be shy and go to the microphone. I just want to emphasize what Jacob Ray brought up, and I really appreciate you bringing it up, Jacob, which is, I like to frame this as an ethical issue. So what you're talking about is how, how would patients feel about wasting money on parallel, you know, thousand flowers blooming? I think some things have to be done within companies and, you know, everyone has to have the freedom. But 
societies like Dime will help us, or forums like this, will help us really think about what things can we collaborate on? How do we stop wasting money doing a thousand parallel things when we can learn something in one group and share that learning so we don't waste time? So I honestly see it as an ethical issue. There's only so much money in research. It's no different to the pre-digital a way we did drug development. I spent two decades getting pharma people to talk to each other and actually not waste money doing things they shouldn't be doing. And it's a real cultural issue, and I think that's one of the biggest things we need to change in our industry. Amir, I'm almost hearing underneath your question, or am I reading too much into it, um, a, a subtle call for master protocols and other types of collaborative well, trials? No, I'm, I'm calling for us to think about what would patients think about this? Would they be happy with us wasting money doing parallel things? So just, uh, for me, it's a much sort of bigger picture, is we need to really collaborate to get this done. And in, in areas that we can, other areas we have to be competitive on the molecules or on other things, but I think what Jake was really bringing up is we can't waste money and efficiency by just, you know, in parallel doing similar things badly, you know, or well even. So, uh, so it's just a call to think about, you know, we're all in the life sciences for a reason. I, I believe most of us are here to help patients. And I think, I just want to emphasize what Jacob said. I think it's a very important point. And I think Jennifer's doing a great job, you know, having a forum that brings people together. I think, you know, Amir brings up... Uh uh, putting that through the lens of the patients, which reminds me of a, uh, a comment Joe Biden used to talk about when the Biden's Cancer Initiative was running, which was, um, we want to create the drug development paradigm that patients think we already have. And um, obviously, for those of us in the room, we know it's not there yet. So Jake, what types of collaborations that are needed? We have Dime, we have Transcelerate, City, uh, we have um, other consortia, we have great meeting and convening that's happening. What are we missing? What's the, what's the lift that's needed here? So it, it, it kind of goes back to a couple of comments I was following up um, on that last poll. So I, again, I think if we really want to impose a, a broad systemic change in the way we do trials, it's going to require um, a tremendous effort, coordination effort across patients, payers, providers, pharma, regulators. And yes, you know, you're starting to see elements of that pop up with City, and I love what they do. I actually, I was just at a meeting. I, I you know, I, I love what they do. But honestly, if I, if, I, if I were to be so bold, I'm not sure if they're empowered enough actually to make a huge change. And so this is where I'm a big proponent of, you know, a moonshot concept, right? I mean, if you really think about what it, you know, that whole, you know, when you go through school, you learn like, oh, we landed on the moon, 1969, it was amazing. But you really kind of start to dissect the effort behind that. It was amazing. 20,000 companies collaborated on the Apollo uh, program. 400,000 workers, okay, $152 billion spent. Now, I'm not sure if we need a, an effort of that scale, you know, but the point is that everyone was striving towards a common vision that was actually, you know, sort of created by, by a few people that were, could act very agile and nimbly. And so I think we need to do more in service of a greater vision, but I'm not sure if we have a greater vision that's shared by providers, payers, to, to get to a, a point where we can deliver for patients. It's tough, though, because I look at some initiatives like the IMI, and they try to say, well, here is a very specific deliverable we want to create, and we'll organize a bunch of companies around it. 
but then it kind of feels like it moves at the speed of pharma. And right. you know, with a 20-something million dollar budget and a, and a 10-year roadmap that you know, will get flown past by entrepreneurs or individual companies in this room. Yep. Um, well, let's go to the microphone over here. Can you uh, introduce yourself? It's hard to see. Oh, is that Ken? <laughs> it's Kent, yeah. Hey. Kent Tolkien, uh, Puree. I mean, I, I love the, these meetings and the concept and trying to be disruptive for the last six years, although we're still trying. I think the challenge we have is, while we're talking about all of this, and, and I, I suppose I'm fortunate, I get to meet with you know, virtually all the, the pharma companies and the biotechs out there. I literally still can't get people to even agree that e-signatures are appropriate or useful. You know, every industry out there except us has decided that works. And every day I try to convince pharma people, let's just try that. Let's try e-consent. Let's try an e-signature. I don't know if it's safe. I don't know about security. I don't know about the documents. I don't know, every excuse there is. And so when we talk about trying to move into healthcare, I mean, what will happen to us, and I, and I firmly believe this, is that millennials will create a punctuated equilibrium event for healthcare that nobody in pharma is ready for. And nobody will participate in our trials because that's not how healthcare is delivered. And so these price tags for drugs are not going to go down. And how do we just get over the simplest pieces, right? So that's an interesting almost call for the advocacy of the incremental, right? Like how do we, how do we create that big change if we can't move these little flowers? Is that something that you see initiatives like Dime or others working to address, Jen? Or how do, we, how do we move that? Are there collaborative approaches that can help in that scenario that Kent is pointing to of we can't even get a company to, to sign on a tablet? Yeah, so I, I think that's exactly right. And one of the points I really appreciate is that there's a whole new generation of patients and participants coming through who simply aren't, they are going to refuse to function within what we consider to be the status quo. And I think, you know, the early movers who figure that out and prepare accordingly will be leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. Um, I think that uh, in terms of how to address that and how to think about it, um, it's really difficult. Well, actually... Let me take a step back. One of the things we try and leverage, and we've had some good success despite being a young organization, is this really is an industry that thrives on sort of fear of missing out, right? So um, I think for folks to be able to disclose where they've had successes and identify themselves as a leader, you know, it's that, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the bold innovator and then it's the fast followers, I think, that actually make the difference. And I think that going back to the case of, e, um, you know, e-signatures and things, right, yeah, there's a lot of fear and resistant to these things. Um, but it goes back to, you know, let's ask our five whys. Why are you worried about it? You know, why aren't you convinced? You know, FDA said it's fine. Like, like what's the problem here? And I think if we pursue that kind of approach, but also um, are a little bit more forthcoming about sort of opening our road where we have had successes, um, I, I think there's a possibility for these things to snowball. And, and that is why I go back to sort of, I think, thoughtful incrementalism is... Well, I'd love to see like a more transformational approach. I think we've got to be realistic, and I don't want the perfect to be the enemy of the good. My feeling, and by the way, that was Michelle's Tinkerbell, so if you have other questions, please step up to the microphone. I'm thinking right now about the, the calls to action for folks in this room, and, and I'm almost feeling like I, I'm hearing three, and I'm not going to prioritize them because I think that in this room, you all are of different phenotypes in terms of what type of change agent you are. And you should fully embrace which of those phenotypes you align to. But right now I'm picking up um, 
We need, we need people who are going to say yes to the incremental in their organizations, the people that can advocate for something as benign as an electronic signature and help to push that through. We need people that can help to scale the solutions that are working so that it's not just one study here and one study there so that we can show leaders and others that this is making a meaningful and sustaining change. And then we need folks that are going to look at that connected strategy across all these incremental awesome flowers blooming and how are we going to drive something that's even bigger than just a lot of those incremental things happening. But we have a, a gentleman over here. Hey, Craig, Rob Wilson. Hey, Rob. Hey, good to see you. Great panel. Um, my question is this, since the topic is what does a successful digital trial look like? In its background, you all, many of you have worked with in the pharma space at Actigraph, where we were deploying wearable sensors in clinical trials. And, it, and that's a, typically, that could be considered a digital tool. Within that context, there's lots of reasons why someone might use a digital tool. But for the pharma companies, what does success look like? It could be we're just trying to experience with capturing missing data in a clinical trial. It could be we want to make the process more cost efficient. Um, it could be that we want to you know, learn more about the, these are incremental type things. From, from your experience, Craig, and yours, Jake, at Novartis, for the pharma senior management, if you look at big buckets like cost efficiency and improvement, patient engagement, and the third bucket being finding a novel endpoint that could be represented by a digital tool. Which of those three categories within major pharma rings most resonant to get people to want to scale instead of pilot these new digital tools? Jake, what's the measure that matters most? Oh, boy. Um, well, I think it's shareholder value, right? Um, so I think in service to that, um, you know, I think any three of those things, if you get any one of those things right, you're going to create a tremendous amount of value. So I think when we were, when I was actually, you know, um, kind of looking at di different solutions, we would, you know, use any of those value levers to kind of talk about the business case. So, um, you know, patient engagement a little bit harder. You got to get into hard, you know, KPIs for that. But I mean, that, that could be a tremendous mover as long as well as all the other ones. Digital biomarkers a little further off. It's hard to kind of, you know, get that. But if you get the evidence, right, you get the evidence from your device and you're able to differentiate your asset. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of value that we see in the future. Dan is on his feet. But is that Graham over here? It's hard to see with that yeah. light. Craig, it's Graham. Hey, Graham. Uh, can, can you give us your, your comment or question super fast? Yeah. Um, so I'm an incrementalist. Uh, I don't think we're centralist in nature. We've all got to compete um, in various ways. Uh, we're more like an ant colony, I think. We're all sort of kind of going in the right direction at the right time. I think it's all about focus. And I'd say the people in this room, uh, and particularly I'd like to hear the comments of the people on the, on the stage, you've got to look at how do you accelerate incrementalism. So uh, lots of people in the organizations that we work with want to do this stuff, but they don't advocate for it. The internal communications and the advocacy for it is really poor. Someone writes the check, and someone else runs off and does the work. The people I work with who do the work, they think, what am I doing this for? Right, the guy who wrote the check, he's long gone. Somewhere else. Okay, you've got to know that the guy who writes the check, who takes the risk, is the one who delivers for the organization. And they've got to do that through advocacy. So the, the organizations have to be vertically integrated. You have to create a coalition of the willing 
in your own organisations. And when you do that, then you'll start to see things happening in the organisations. Thank you, Graham. Uh, Jen, can I just give you the last 30 seconds for the last word here? Is there anything else on accelerating incrementalism you want to close with? Um, I think, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? You need to have some people with some skin in the game who are prepared to own um, both the success and I think really importantly the failures, right? Because equally important as promoting, um, you know, successful initiatives when they happen and trying to sort of diffuse that and mirror it in other areas, it's also sort of owning when things don't go well, right? So we're not doing this redundantly again and again with different teams and different organizations banging their head against the same brick wall. What didn't work? What did we use? And let's move on with that knowledge you know I, I, I and, and the thing that's crazy is it's not it's not that different just because it's digital you still have a wash-up meeting right and and you still try and communicate that but I do think um, owning owning the challenges and perhaps those things that weren't as successful are equally important as owning those successes please join me in thanking Jake and Jennifer thanks guys I hope you enjoyed the podcast from the 2019 Mobile and Clinical Trials Conference. For information on the upcoming 2020 event, visit theconferenceforum.org. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.